Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Editor Christian Byrne. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today uh, is the day of days uh, because the rut is upon us. It's the magical time of year. The big bucks are getting active during daylight. I'm getting reports, seeing reports from around the country, a few big bucks being killed, uh, lots of younger bucks uh, on the prowl chasing some does, and we know here as we head towards Halloween and into the month of November, this is uh, truly the next uh, three uh, to four weeks or so. This is the time of year that we all live for, and we spend so much time looking forward to. It's finally here, and today we are going to give you some tips to make this rut your best rut ever. I've got as our guest one of the uh, most accomplished bow hunters that I know, uh, a definitely longtime expert whitetail hunter, uh, professional shooter, uh, archery coach, uh, connoisseur of wine, and uh, probably a few other things I don't know about. That's Mr. John Dudley. John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, man. It's always interesting to sit back and hear what kind of ring announcement you're going to give me <laughs> hey man if i ever got if i ever did a pro fight you better be my you better be my ring announcer because i don't know uh, too many bow hunters that like hurt their rotator cuffs getting a cork out of a wine bottle which is what oh, you, no, you did a couple weeks ago so i mean yeah. i'm just saying Look, that's yeah i almost uh i almost permanently was shooting a crossbow from trying to get a cork out of a wine bottle. It was, I was very disappointed. I told Sharon, I said, I can't believe this is what's going to end my career. The fact that the batteries ran out in my electric wine bottle opener. You may. And I had to pull it out the last quarter inch. It's uh, just a sign that you may have a drinking problem if you have an electric wine bottle opener because doing it by hand, <laughs> doing it by hand just isn't fast enough. You've got to get your wine in record time, and you need the battery-powered uh, wine opener. Well, listen, man. Uh, that your injuries and uh, substance abuse problems notwithstanding, uh, let's stay focused on the rut. We don't want to get off yep. on too many rabbit trails here. Um, you it's know, time. the topic, it's time, man. It is it time. It is. You just... We've all waited, and it is upon us. As a matter of fact, did you not just send me two video clips to my phone about an hour ago? Was that from this morning, John? I might have, but the part where I said don't tell everybody, I mean, I think we've just blown it. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's... No, it, it is the time. I saw, I've seen, uh, amazingly, I've seen... Several very mature deer in the last three days on their feet in daylight. Um, and last night I saw a great a four-year-old deer, I know is a four-year-old deer, uh, tending a doe, and uh, which is pretty awesome. And and uh, I guess always the little the little. Uh, signs that that's coming is when you start seeing the food plots empty out uh, and you start seeing 
just the fawns show up by themselves, you mm. know it's time. That's right. That's right. And uh, speaking of food plots, uh, that actually has a lot to do with what I kind of want to talk about today. And the topic I really want to cover uh, regarding the rut is to how to get your shot during the rut. And as I started thinking about this, um, really kind of stemmed off of my hunt that I did in Illinois last year. And I'm leaving this coming Saturday to head back again for this year's uh, Illinois rut hunt. And I thought about what made me successful uh, in some of the recent years and how that changed from uh, places that I used to shoot. And and um, I kind of came up with this concept, and I think I'm going to write an article about it at some point, called and call it the 30-yard rule. And what I mean is... Um, you know, 30 yards is a, is a pretty good general, you know, rule as bow hunters. That's about as far as most of us really want to shoot at a whitetail for the most part. And, but that's not really what I'm looking at it for. I, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of wherever you choose to sit, whether it's in a tree, you know, a ground blind, whatever, what is within 30 yards of that spot? whether it be terrain or a river crossing or, or something that's going to bring the buck that you expect to come through that area within that 30-yard circle in a spot where you can shoot them. And I just think that I did it. I think a lot of people who are listening do it. Even when you go on outfitted hunts, I've had outfitters do it to me. And this was, you know, over years ago when maybe I wasn't quite as educated by futility as I as I eventually got in that there are places that you can go during the rut that seem like great places or maybe they are great places for seeing a bunch of deer but you can sit there for days and days and never never get a shot on a mature buck because there's nothing within 30 yards of that tree that makes him have to come there so it's kind of entertaining but yet at the end of the day it's kind of pointless yep yeah and that's uh that kind of brings us right into a, something that uh, I guess, you know, originally, you know, I'm from Mississippi. And down south, we got what we call killing trees. And there's a big difference between a hunting tree and a killing tree. And, you know, you're talking about being in the killing tree. There's a big difference between seeing deer and killing deer. So how do you get in the killing tree and not just be in the hunting tree, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, like I think about, oh, I think about the property where I'm going to go next week. Think about your farm in Iowa. Um, You know, you have these properties where, you know, this place that I'm going next week, he's got, I don't know, he's probably got over 30 food plots of varying sizes on that farm. Mm -hmm. And they're great places to see deer. Um but I'll tell you what, I won't spend a whole lot of time next week, which I consider, you know, next week ought to be prime conditions for, you know, rut conditions for hunting, chasing, seeking, you know, maybe like you say, some tending, some does coming into estrus. I'm not going to spend a lot of time sitting on the edge of food. Um, you know, maybe an evening or two on a smaller plot. But I mean, for the most part, what my experience has shown me is to get on a ridge 
or get on a, a river crossing, um, try and find those pinch points, those those pasture corners or fence openings where deer come through because most of the bucks that I see during the rut, especially shooter bucks, tend to be not hanging around in any given spot very long because they're either with a doe or they're looking for a doe. And, you know, it, when I see one and he's coming through my area, I want to be, I want to at least feel like I'm sitting somewhere where, you know, I might not see as many deer sitting right here as I could somewhere else. But the ones that I do see, I'm pretty confident they're going to walk right there and I'm going to have an opportunity to kill that deer. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I guess, I don't know, uh, how much you want me to chime in to this conversation, but, uh, you know, there's a couple things there that you talked about that, that I definitely could, could put my two cents worth on. Well, if I didn't need you to chime in, I wouldn't have had you on today. I could have done the whole show solo. Probably would have been, you know, a great show, but kind of defeats the purpose <laughs> if I'm going to have you on and I don't let you chime in. So I apologize for being so well, verbose. I know, but you had such good flow. I didn't want to, like, interrupt, <laughs> interrupt your mojo. But, uh, okay. Well, there's a couple things the way I look at it and the way I hunt. Okay, first off, these next four days, um, really starting today, you know, you start on the 28th. Today is typically the 28th of October is the day that I, you know, if I'm really busy and I haven't been able to hunt much, this is the one day where I'm 100% in the stand for the first time because I've killed a tremendous amount of deer over these next four days. Um, from the 28th until really November 1st, are these are the days where you do have your highest percentage opportunity for the rut portion of hunting to see a mature deer on a food source in the evening. Because right now, the biggest bucks that are in your area are going to make an appearance during daylight for the first time to scent check the does that are showing up in those food sources. And then once the game gets kicked in, those food sources for the most part are going to be pretty darn, uh, they're going to be pretty darn scarce to see anything because the does aren't going to want to come out there because obviously they're going to be getting harassed if they're not, you know, if they're not in heat, they're not going to, they're not really going to show themselves so that they end up getting harassed. And then a lot of times if they are in heat, you know, bucks have their own little corridors. Every buck has, has their spot where they really, especially a mature deer, they'll have their little spots where they really like to take their does to tend them. And then when that, when that is done with, they'll then venture out and they'll make a loop or they'll make a certain circle and they'll try to round up another one. A lot of times they'll bring them back into that same spot. And I've seen, you know, if you can find those spots or if you've, if you've been fortunate enough to encounter the same buck to know where his little rut pocket is, um, then setting up there and spending time there is definitely going to be, you know, where you kill them. But you, you are right to, to spend November on a food plot all the time um, is not going to be really beneficial for the most part because 
even if the mature bucks do make an appearance to those fields, a lot of times you'll see them just pop up to the edge, they'll look out in there, and unless you're decoying, now using a, a doe decoy or a buck decoy on the edge of a food source right now can be effective once the rut's going. But if you're just going to be sitting there, a lot of times and the bucks will come up, they're going to check that area, then they're going to back right out and they're going to they're going to hit their travel corridor. So for me, I really I love natural barriers, natural pinch downs. Um, ponds are a big one for me. Um, anytime I can find ponds that are kind of you know somewhat on the you know on the edge of timber or fingers to where you know the deer are going to have to kind of wrap around those ponds. Um, those are great areas. I've killed, I bet I've killed five of the ten bucks that I've got in my office right here within 20 yards of a pond during the first week of November, simply not because they're coming to water, but just because it has forced the deer into using that cover to travel, um, you know, and it, I always try to position myself between the edge of an opening and that pond where I know they're going to use that only little pinch down a cover to move through and it, and it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. Another spot that, you know, I, I found to be, you know, really good. And it, it kind of took a while again, you know, there's a, there's definitely a learning process and understanding, you know, there's observing what the deer are doing and then there's kind of understanding it. And like in, um, you know, out in Illinois, it'd be similar in your area. You get kind of that classic mid Midwestern woods habitat where you have, you have those Oak ridges and a lot of times and that kind of, you know, how the, the landscape kind of has people, people a lot of times think the Midwest is flat, but I mean, and it is in places, but actually what's pretty neat is how undulating it is. And it's different than like back here, back East where I'm at in Pennsylvania, we tend to have like a mountains and then big wide valleys and then the next hill. But like there where I hunt in Illinois, the, the hills go like the folds are real tight and there's all kinds of ravines and, and gullies and stuff like that. And, and that's why the ridges, we always see deer on the ridges, you know, bedding up there. Obviously they can smell a lot of times you see the does bedding up there, but the bucks will always seem to be running those ridges because if you like take a aerial map of your hunting area and going back to what you were talking about with you always want to identify those areas of thick cover because during the rut like i i know of two areas in particular at the place i hunt in illinois there's right on the edge of a pasture there's a there's a thicket where i every year i see deer bucks checking in there and sometimes i see a buck bedded with a doe in there and then there's another thicket down by the river where right I killed my buck last year right next to it and it's got a kind of a pinch point right next to it but um those ridges are the easiest way for those bucks to get in between all those areas of thick cover they can get across the whole property in a few minutes using those ridges and staying on on that high ground they can smell a lot up there they can check the thermals and, and then they can just cut across without having to go up and down and up and down and up and down through all that nasty terrain where, 
you know, you don't really want to walk. And quite frankly, the deer don't really want to walk that way either if they can avoid it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Those, um, you know, down south, they commonly talk about, you know, hunting in the thicket. And during this time of the year, during the rut, you know, these the does are going to run into these thicker areas where they can they can maneuver outmaneuver the bucks, um, and also where you know they feel safe bedding down for the day. And the bucks obviously feel a lot safer in there. So a lot of times, being in those areas, you know, where you have thicker cover, but you know, especially if you can get in those transition areas to where they to where they neck down, you know, we don't have a lot of ridges here where I'm at in Iowa, but when I was in Wisconsin, we had a lot of ridges, and finding those ridge saddles, you know, they like, deer like to follow those indentions, and they like to parallel the ridges sometimes. A lot of times the bigger bucks won't walk the main trail, they'll kind of parallel that trail, and uh, and being there in those areas can be extremely productive during this time of year. Yeah, I think that... Uh... It's been interesting that recently there's been some new research and and data on um, tracking collar studies of bucks. And what Mm -hmm. they've found is that, you know, people, conventional wisdom always says, oh, you can't pattern a buck during the rut, you know, because they just go everywhere. You know, they could be five miles away. They could be ten miles away. And um, what they found is generally that's not the case. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> they found that a lot of these bucks still stay within a pretty defined area and they even have spots within that area that they check like every 72 hours so again yep. that could be going along with what you said of you see you know a certain area or a certain buck you might see him tending a doe and then a few days later you might see him tending another doe in that same area or you might see him checking for does in a certain spot and then he's checking so i think that the idea that it's impossible to pattern bucks during the rut is true in one sense and and by that i mean they're really a lot they're very active and it's you're right that you don't know at any given day or hour, you could run into any buck on the property, anywhere on the property. But mm-hmm. at the same oh, yeah. time, yep. to think that the bucks that you saw on your trail camera all summer, that all of them are completely gone, that's probably not true either, you know. And so when you can find a spot that's a good pinch or a funnel or a, a known, you know, doe bedding area, and you can find a good stand location that's in that spot that's got a consistent wind and, and you've got good concealment. Those are the places where I want to spend my time because, again, I don't know, I don't know when a buck is going to show up or what buck it, it's going to be, but I know if I put in enough time there, eventually a good one is going to come along, or at least, you know, in theory, <laughs> they are. Yeah. Yeah, they they will. And I, I mean, I I do I do know that once a buck has a doe, he's for the most part, you know, he is gonna follow that doe. And if she runs crazy all over the place and covers four properties, running all around and being stupid, then yeah, he's gonna he's gonna cover that same ground. But I do know once he dumps her, he's going back to his swing. You know, he has a he does have 
a path that they'll cruise. I mean, you know, I'm I'm fortunate right now to be in this industry, and and the one great thing about you know being um, kind of a freelance person this in this industry is you know November when it comes to being from the manufacturing point of sides, you know it's kind of a slow time. Um, you know, it's not the new product for a lot of places isn't out yet. And, you know, a lot of shops have already ordered their supplies because obviously people are hunting right now. They're not buying equipment while it's rut. So I'm able to put in a lot of time during the month of November. And I mean, you know, you know, I sit 13 hours a day and I see these things happening and honestly when I was not able to sit that much or when I guess mentally I just never really wanted to you know you just assume that everything was just you know sporadic by chance but there's certain areas that are natural travel areas and they're areas that the does frequent and if you stay in that spot long enough the buck a buck is going to come by you you know a lot of times you just you spend too much time bouncing around um you know you can you can kind of get on a polar opposite rotation with kind of what the bucks are doing and you end up having having a kind of a crummy rut but you know i really look at it this way when it comes to the rut um the best evening movement of the rut is for me here in the Midwest from Iowa to Wisconsin and probably over through, you know, all the way over through where you're at in Pennsylvania and Ohio, but October 28th until about November 4th or 1st is, is a great time for bigger bucks to get on their feet in the evenings and show up at a food source. Um, another thing is I always like, the three days prior to the full moon, they're my best days, you know, for movement early in the afternoon or evening and, you know, great movement all the way through until dark. Okay, so um, so I, I'm going to be in Illinois next week and the full moon is on November the 7th. Yep, yeah, I predict, I predict that this year, you know, and you and I are in the industry, so, you know, a lot of times... You know, if, if T-Bone shoots a buck, I mean, we're going to get a picture of it, you know. Or, you know, I know that um, from what I'm predicting and based off what the moon's going to do, I'm thinking that November um, 4th to the 6th are going to be the hottest days of bucks dying this year. Okay. Uh, I think those are going to be dynamite days. You know, and there's certainly days where if I had to pick... Uh, you know, and see some years, everyone always assumes November first is a great a great time. You know, I remember back when I tried to book one hunt a year in Illinois, all the outfitters were always slammed November first, and people just booked November first every year because it was the first day of the rut. But to be honest with you, there hasn't been that many years in the past six or seven where I've liked that week, but this year. I like I like the first through the fifth. I think that the first to the sixth are gonna be is gonna be a great week, but I really think the fourth, fifth, 
six are going to be the days where some big deer hit the ground in the Midwest. And now you're saying in the afternoon, what's up with that? Well, I just know that one thing that I always look for as a hunter is I always think that the bucks and the deer come up with the moon. So anytime I look on the horizon and the moon is either from the horizon to about 20 degrees, whether it's on one side of you or the other, um, is a great time for me. Like right now, the moon is actually um, on the west horizon about an hour before dark. You can see it. And the evening movement has been great right now. Um, And then there's times where, like, once that full moon happens, what you'll find is, you know, there'll be mornings where you go out and you're sitting in your stand in the morning and, say, the moon's, like, at 2 o'clock in the sky. Well, when that moon finally gets down to where it's, you know, at about, you know, 20 degrees from the horizon, that's when you're going to start seeing your morning activity happen. And that's why sometimes just... I believe, based off the moon, that's why sometimes you can see really good morning movement, you know, at 8 o'clock. And then there's other times where your morning movement doesn't start till 1130. Mm. Um, so I always do that. I always try to, you know, if I go out and it's a clear sky, it's like, well, where's the moon? Well, it's straight above my head. Okay, well, I know, there's, I know that it's going to be late morning before I see the majority of my deer movement. I really go by that. And, uh, now that's and inter- obviously it's interesting just to interrupt you, but this whole moon thing, because that continues to be, I'll, I'll say a con- controversy is not quite the right word, just a disagreement within the hunting community because we publish articles, uh, regularly and we've, we've published probably three or four of them in the last year about studies, again, uh, tracking collar studies, that say there's no statistical correlation between deer activity and moon phase. So how do you look, you know, how do you respond to that, John? Well, I guess I guess I don't know based off the collar. I just know based off what I've experienced as a hunter. And um, I know that there's certain mornings where, well, Here's my argument to that, and maybe maybe there was no correlation to the moon at a certain point. But what I what I will say is, I don't know how many times a week I can be sitting in a stand not seeing a dang thing, and a friend from somewhere within a hundred miles of here will be like man, it's slow, have you seen anything? And I'll say no, and, you know, we're both texting out of boredom, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'll say, oh, I just got deer coming up, and then, like, immediately it's like, I just got some too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I mean, and I'm sure you've experienced that. So, oh, yeah. So regardless of what the caller's saying, at some point there's something telling the deer globally and the animals in general when the movement time is. 
mm-hmm. personally, I put a lot of that. I mean, there's certainly, um, I do know weather, you know, weather conditions can determine it. Obviously, like there's a big cold snap hitting here today. I expect this evening to be fairly good, but the wind's pretty high. Um, but, you know, good cold snaps, good front weather front changes are obviously great great days to key in on but when you eliminate that out and you just look at good weather days there's something that put the deer on their feet at the same time that and for the most part put the deer down at the same time a lot yeah um you know there is something that that does it whether the the collar said it was related to the moon or not you know i guess that's that's up to that but I just know from what I've seen, uh, you're not. I'm not saying you're going to see a buck every time the the moon is 20 degrees or less on the horizon, but I will tell you that eight out of ten times, mm-hmm. the highest deer movement of the day are going to be during those times. You know, and a and a perfect example of that is, you know, once it's full moon. A lot of people see the deer, like, right at last light. And sometimes they don't see them. You know, once the moon's been full for a day or two, you don't really see much for evening activity. And then all of a sudden you're, like, driving home in your car and, like, deer are starting to show up everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, because that moon is it's not coming up as the sun's going down. Um, you know, when that moon is coming up on the horizon and the sun is still setting, to me, those are the, the days. Hmm. I mean, I've just always found that if I can, if I can be looking out at a sun at 10 degrees on the horizon and it's still great shooting light and it's like, you know, the sun's just beginning to set. That's like the best, the best day of the, of the month for me. Well, I'm no moon expert. I'm no moon expert. I hope you're right though, just because I'm going hunting next week, and that could be good. I like your I like your prediction for selfish reasons, John. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Let's, I, I I hope it's true because I mean I would love to. I'd love to. Well, I say I'd love to fill my tag that early in November. I passed that buck last night. I've been second guessing that, and, and uh, gosh. Yeah, but when you get when you live like fifteen minutes away from your hunting ground and you get to go sit in the tree at least one sit every day for the whole rut, I don't feel too bad for you, dude. Yeah, well that's just it. It's like, do I really want to put my tag on a deer before? Like, can I? Do I want to not hunt November? I mean, yeah, yeah. That you know, there's certain deer where you're looking at and you're like, well, I would, you know. Well, listen, man, that's that's your reality. That's not most of our reality. Let's keep on point here. You know, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. No, well, I don't want anyone to. I don't want anyone to. Let's talk about, let's talk a little bit on time on stand, because this is an area where you, you touched on it briefly, and we, we all need some encouragement. I mean, last year, um, last year on this Illinois hunt, I killed the buck that I killed, I killed him at 2.30 in the afternoon, and I had actually seen him 
at noon is when he showed up and he went into that thicket and he chased off a smaller buck that was with a doe in there. And then I was watching him in that thicket for like 10 minutes and they disappeared. And after a while, I just thought that they were gone and I just sat down. And so it was literally like, you know, over two hours later, I was sitting in my climber and I was looking off to my left, just turning over my can call kind of mindlessly and I like turned to my right to look back and here's that doe coming out of the thicket and the buck is right behind her so there's an instance where you know there's no way those deer are there if I climb down and get out and try and come back in I'm either bumping them out on my way out or I'm bumping them on my way trying to get back in there Mm-hmm. yep yeah, that's and that's a big part of what that's a big part of what motivates me to be honest to hunt the way that I do is it kind of makes my skin crawl because a lot of the places that I hunt during the rut are places that you and I talked about and they're areas in timber, they're areas in the cover, they're in those big travel areas and those thickets. And I'm not, I don't have big woods here in, in where I'm at. You know, a lot of those areas that are the thick draws and the thick areas, they're the only areas around. So, I mean, if you're blowing deer out of there, then they might run a few miles to get to another area that has that kind of cover. So, for me, it's like, well is it really worth me blowing this whole thing out to go have a sandwich at camp for an hour? No. (laughs) You love, I love it when John talks about lunch because he's really not a big fan of lunch. I know I'm a big fan of lunch. I mean, you can, you can ask, you can ask, there's only, I can tell you this right now. There's one person that I know that will eat more sandwiches in a stand than me. And that's that's Earl Taylor, which is actually the first person who ever took me hunting in Iowa. And uh, Earl was the camp director for a, for a Christian youth camp here that I helped start an archery program with years and years ago. But that dude would get up every morning, and I swear he would make two loaves worth of two loaves worth of bread sandwiches. I mean, <laughs> and, and there were times where I'd go out to the stand and he'd be like, we don't have any sandwiches. And I said, well, yeah, I'll be fine, dude. I got a couple bars. No, you need some sandwiches. Like, there are four sandwiches in my backpack. So I kind of, he got me addicted to sandwiches. So now, like, my big thing is um, they're not the best for you. Typically, I eat pretty clean throughout the year, but you know, big bags of almonds and those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches without the crust that you can get at Costco, you know, the ones I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, the, the, the Smucker's ones. Dude, I'll put like a half dozen of those little discs in my backpack a day. Well, and uh, here's as the thing, long though. as I've got enough water to choke those things down, you, I mean... You take them out of the... Here's the thing, though, with those. Those and the protein. Uh, my big thing is, um, you know the Supreme Protein Bars, the 30-grammers? Yeah, I don't know if I would do that out on the tree. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, it kind of, that's what I, mean, I do. If I'm doing whey protein bars, I'm going to need some baby wipes and a shovel. No, I do the whey pro. I do the, this 30 gram because 30 grams of whey protein sits in the bottom of my gut like a rock. Seriously, that'll keep me full for like five hours. It's probably still in there. It probably never breaks down. No, they, it Are comes you out. About but the big old colossals. We can't go there, John. This is a family program. Again, we're talking about staying on stand all day. We, I know. We, I'm a big believer in it. You know that because every time you give me an assignment, you're like, you'll call and say, "Yeah, well, once again, one of your tips is staying in your stand," and I'm like, "Well, what do you want me to say, dude? I mean, you know, every single time." Uh, People are texting me saying I got out of my stand. I'm like, oh, I just saw a big one. I mean, you know, there's been so many times where I've been fortunate. I've been on a hunt where I'm there, and I'm trying to help the other people in camp get something. So I like, you know, I put people out on stand, and then I kind of drive around and scout a little bit, and then I'm kind of just trying to burn daylight during the day, and I'll go into a gas station or something, and then here comes a bunch of guys come in with camo, and it's like 10.30 in the morning. I mean, I remember one time I was in Missouri, and I I go into a, I went into a to a gas station to fill up, and you know here's like you know three or four kids all to they weren't kids they were probably nineteen or twenty and they were all in their camo and stuff and I mean they looked like they were serious about bow hunting and I just they kind of looked at me and I said, "Did you guys kill one this morning?" And they said, "No." And I said, well, he's under your stand right now. And they're like, what? And I said, yeah, he's under your stand right now. I said, the deer aren't moving until 11 today. And they're like, really? And I said, yeah, you got to be there till 11. Otherwise, you're not going to see any. And they well, man, we didn't see anything this morning. I said, well, dude, you got to, like, mentally tell yourself, if you haven't seen anything yet, I'm going to at least sit here until I do. And well, that's it, because if, yeah, if they're not moving at 8 or 9 or 10, that probably means they're going to move at 11. I'll tell you exactly. what, during the rut, I saw deer, I saw a bunch of, I didn't see a good one, the, the one until noon, but I was seeing deer steady, like every hour. Yep. You just never know. They're liable to if come at any time. And, and I can't tell you, I'll tell you what, too, I can't tell you. Now, this guy, like... He takes you back and forth to your stand on his Ranger, you know, Polaris mm-hmm. Ranger, and um, which really works perfect. That that's a whole other topic for another day. But if you yeah, it is. If you it have is. a if you have a very lightly hunted property where the landowner lives there and he's very active on managing his ground, those deer get really used to that. So it's actually. I've seen it's, it with my own eyes. It's a better way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's having, a, having, a, having, it's a, having transport. In, yeah, it's the best way to get way. to and from your stands, and nobody can tell me otherwise because I can't tell you. But so, so the point that I'm making though is I can't tell you how many 140, 150 inch bucks we've driven past at like 11 o'clock coming out of the stand or going back into the stand at like two in the afternoon. You're on your way into the stand. And you're driving past a, a 150, and he's standing there 20 yards off the, the the ranger path just looking at you, being like, yeah, you're going back into your stand. I was just under it five minutes ago, man. Yep. Yeah, so, no, I'm stealing. I've got I gonna have my protein bars, and I'll tell you what else I got, John, because I am a high-tech redneck. I got, uh, I already had one of those recharger packs for your phone, you know, the battery that you can plug into. 
But I yep, got, I got, I got the Mac Daddy now. It's a the iBats. It's um, it's a super. It's a twenty thousand four hundred milliamp Panasonic automotive grade battery. It says it'll recharge your phone eight times. So I can like be like the mad <laughs> texter. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I am going to text you a blow-by-blow of my whole hunt from the stand, John. Well, you're only going to get it to work till about 9.30, and then I'm out of battery. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll get them all about 6.30 once my phone powers back up. But in in all seriousness, though, I mean, I know like a lot of old school people will be like, you know, you, you shouldn't be on your phone up there. It's distracting. And it can be. I mean, you got to pay attention, but... I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, sure. dude. My phone helps helps me get through the day so much. Yeah. I mean, I think we should talk about that. So so here, here's the thing. The reality is every year I've threatened to kind of do a test, and I can't make myself do it just because it, I, I lose sleep. I actually I almost work myself into a full anxiety during November if it's daylight and I'm not in a tree, I feel like really anxious and like my skin crawls because I feel like something really cool could be happening and I'm not seeing it. But what you have to do and what I've always wanted to do is really, I've always wanted to just hunt from 10 to 2 for the whole rut and see how my, how my year See if I kill bigger bucks. See if I hunt less. And I'm willing to bet I would kill just as big a bucks or bigger. Yeah, yeah. And I would hunt less if I hunted those four. Instead of hunting three and a half, three to three and a half hours twice a day, if I hunted those four hours, especially right now, I think you would be more effective. And, uh, you know, and actually that... uh, that Rudd article that was just published uh, in Peterson's Bow Hunting um, talked about that. I call it the gentleman's hunt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, if you wake up a little bit late one morning, don't say, well, I didn't get out this morning. Go get in a tree. You know, a lot of times getting out there at 830 or 9 o'clock, you go out there and you sit till 1 or 2. And, uh, you know, you're going to find that, especially the bigger bucks, as soon as those does do their normal activity for the day and they bed down, that is when the bigger bucks are going to cover ground. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when they're going to travel. And what, what time you did know, you, when did you kill biggest buck you've ever killed? What time did you shoot it? Well, it'll definitely be in the middle of the day, but here, so I've got, Right now above me in my office, I'm sitting here in my office and I'm looking up. I have three bucks above me that are like the ones that I've, that mean the most to me and that are like right over my computers. One was shot at 11.11, one was shot at 11.12, and one was shot at 11.13. How cool is that? That is really cool. And I was, because I was just going to say that 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 one. And I'm talking years apart. The one that I got three years ago in Illinois, my biggest ever, I shot it at like 11.15, 11.30. Yeah, and honestly, I don't I don't even bother standing up in my stand 
At 10 o'clock, I stand up, and I will stand until noon. And I'll eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at the top of every hour. Now, back to those, this is, a, I know we're scattershotting you, but these are. Because, is, I mean, I have to have a schedule. Mentally, it helps me. If oh. I chew it really slow and enjoy a water bottle, I can, I mean, 15 minutes of the hour is used up. Well, and I nego- I don't know how you work your time, but like when it's slow, I kind of negotiate myself through the hours too. Like, and you do that in 15 minute increments and then you can, you chop off a few hours and then once you get through, like you say, like once you get to two, if you can just get through 10 to two, once you're in two, then you won't even want to get out because you're like, well, now every hour it's getting later in the day, it's getting closer to dark and it's going to be getting, you're telling yourself like, well, it's going to be getting better and better. And so, oh yeah, yep. You know, you can kind of play mind games with yourself all day, and and keep your force yourself to stay out there. But I've been wanting to get to this tip. You keep talking about the sandwiches. I say the same thing on the protein bars. The wrapping, the packaging on all those products is hellacious when it comes to the amount of like. I can't stand it. <laughs> Those are it. all back at camp in the garbage. I wrap everything in um, paper towels. Okay, perfect. So this is what I was going to say. I mean, I just use a regular, like, Ziploc sandwich bag. Even that is like, I, I take... Oh, yeah, I well, take, that's way better. I take all the bars or whatever you want, all your candy, if you're a Snickers man. Seriously, people, whatever you have, you have to unwrap it all at home and throw it all into one Ziploc bag because, oh, I'm telling you, man, you're going to... You're going to lose a 200-inch buck one day if you keep taking those Mylar packages out there in the woods. You're just asking to be busted. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I wrap mine in paper towel and because uh, that way I can just kind of pull it out of that main compartment of my backpack. I can just unroll it, eat, and fold my paper towel back up, and and it's there if it was ever needed. Well... <clears throat> I don't know. We kind of need to wrap this up. We went 45 minutes, and hopefully we gave some good tips, but I think we did, you know. I mean, so here's the thing, people. I mean, the next, like, three weeks, right, don't don't waste your time in spots that are just kind of, like, random spots in good areas. Find those specific areas where the bucks either want to be because there's does there, and they're going to come look for them or find those spots where there's a high likelihood that they have to pass in bow range going between one spot where they want to be and another spot where they want to be. That was kind yeah, of, that's and, kind and of try it. To, try to recognize too, you know, one thing there's times where you'll put a stand up and a stand will be in a dynamite spot and it is in the right spot and you shoot, you kill deer there several years in a row. But deer naturally slightly adjust their patterns just because you might have a new generation of deer in that might have been following their mom around for a couple years and she was on a slightly different path. And even if they're in that same area, they may be using a slightly different travel corridor that might only be 20 or 30 yards away. So, or, you know, or sometimes a little more. So if you're in your stand and two days in a row, you're literally seeing all the deer go up and down the same little spot that's 70 yards away, get there. Mm-hmm. Don't, 
you know, if it it's one thing if you see it for a couple hours or maybe if a hot doe went through there and a bunch of deer going through there after the hot doe, but I'm talking if you're in an area and for, for two days straight you're seeing consistently deer move on in another part uh, within an eye shot of that stand, then the best thing for you to do is just move that sucker, do it, you know. Uh, yep. You know, th- th- you have to be willing to, to move quick and try something a little bit different. And sometimes, especially if you're with an outfitter, not being in the tree that people have been in every single day for three weeks could, you know, even moving that 50 yards can be a big, big oh, benefit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's why I take... I always take a climber with me, you know, on this Illinois hunt, and that's what I used last year when I killed because, yeah, I mean, I just went into a different spot. I was There's a stand there called the Junction Stand that's on a river crossing, and then there's a little hill in front of that. The hill's not the right word for it. Just a trail that kind of goes up, up slope a little bit, and then that's where that thicket is, and there's some more hardwoods up past there, and I just kept seeing deer skirt the edge of that hill i'd sit in that junction stand and the deer would all move uh, across my left to right instead of coming down to the crossing and man that's it you got to just adjust and actually it's really neat when you adjust because you know how the old saying goes that the first you know the best time to kill a, a deer out of any stand is the first time you hunt it and so when you use your climber or you move a stand every time you move that well that's a new spot. I mean, that is yeah, the first you're, time you you're hunted on your it. number one and, every and, single time you do it. And and I'm telling you something, man, you know, you've seen it. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. When you do that and you're all of a sudden in a spot where they never saw a hunter before, you have you have the element of surprise totally with, totally with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do. You and do. They just come strolling. I mean, unless you screw up or the wind is wrong or something, chances are the first time they come back again to that spot where you've been seeing them go, they're going to saunter through there like, you know, it's rainbows and unicorns and all is right with the world. And then the next thing they're going to know is somebody's got an arrow in their chest. Yep. Yeah, totally. So, well, just to recap, make sure you guys put some time in. Make sure you get on those evening sources here from from now, especially through until Halloween. There, you know, there it's a great time for those food plots where your does are there. And the other thing is, uh, make sure you uh, you know try to try to uh, have a little bit of control and and don't spook your does and don't shoot your fill your doe tags right now this is the time where you got to really think okay every single doe that's in front of me has the potential to be a live decoy to pull a buck in front you know it's one thing if you filled your tag but if you haven't filled your buck tag and you're there for bucks the more does you have in front of you the better off you are Mm -hmm. all right man well i forgot to mention at the beginning of the show for those of you who, who don't know in addition to being a wine connoisseur and, and all that good stuff, John is the host of uh, Knock On TV on Sportsman Channel. So you can also check John out uh, on Sportsman, and um, I'm sure that he is filming daily uh, right now and, and gathering more footage. I know you sent me those couple clips, and and uh, I know you and Sharon and, and Harry uh and and your other crew you guys will be laying down a lot more exciting a little hunting duds here. tagged out a little duds done 
I know. Did you get? Is that all on film? Oh yeah, yeah. He made an awesome shot too. So he made a great shot. So he's been perfect. shooting. What's funny is he's been shooting so much. I mean, like he's been practicing every day for like an hour or two out there, and I'm like, "Hey, your tag's filled." And he's like, "Yeah, but I'm I'm just really getting ready for next year." It's like, uh, you know, why didn't you have that kind of drive like two months ago? I mean, he did practice, but now he's like in full blown getting ready for Vegas or something. Mode. I mean, he's he's really enjoying it. So I think shooting a buck like that, and he, to be honest, he made a great shot on it, at just under forty yards. And I think getting to see an arrow tick tock at that distance and hit that thing right in the front of the heart valve, I think got him pretty fired up. Well, good, man. That's awesome. That's what it's all about right there. And, yeah, uh, for sure. He just stays with you long enough. He knows. He's a smart kid, see, and he knows that next year is not really like a year from now when you're living with John Dudley because the next bow hunting adventure is next year is probably like january after the trade show when you guys like go down to hoppies or something like that and shoot some pigs maybe but i don't think so i don't think so well anyway john everybody i do appreciate it very much and uh make sure you make sure you do check out the knock on tv website and uh knock on tv.com and you can go to the videos tab and watch all four seasons of knock on tv for free uh, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook and knock on TV as well, for sure. All right. Well, best of luck to everybody during the rut. And uh, you and I will compare notes here in the weeks ahead, John. And uh, I think that there's a decent chance we can both get something done. I hope so. All right, man. Good luck to you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Presented by Easton's new ultra-micro-diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.